let me tell you, hidden inside these Ten Commandments, what we have discovered is that there are secrets to God's character and, and what he values. And what we see in the Ten Commandments is a God who doesn't look for good people to make his own. He looks for, for slaves, and he looks for sinners, and he blesses them by showing them how to live uh, a joyful lives, how to live content lives full of purpose and fulfillment. And, and the Ten Commandments, they're not God's way of, of showing us how to get good or how to get to heaven. The Ten Commandments are how to get free here on earth, how to live free. And most of all, when we dig into these, these commandments and explore their meaning, they reveal something that's, that's most important to, to many of us, and that is who God is and what he's like, who God is and what he is like. And for me, the, the last commandment is perhaps the most fascinating of them all. And that is the one we're on today in Exodus. If you want to turn there in Exodus 20, verse 17. I'll give you just a second. I might have just drank in Monica's water, but that's okay. She's my sister. Exodus chapter 20, verse 17, you shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male or female servant, his ox or donkey. Don't covet your neighbor's ox or anything that belongs to your neighbor. So don't covet. Basically, don't want someone else's stuff, right? Don't want their house. Don't want their stuff. Don't want their spouse. Don't want their employees. Don't want their pets, don't want their stuff. Um, now, how many of you have ever coveted? Show of hands. All right. Yeah, some of us. And those who didn't raise their hand, we got you on the ninth commandment, right? Uh, it's lying. Um, now, before... I convince you of the evil of coveting. I need to first tell you about a race. This was a very special race. It's happened many times throughout history, in fact, uh, and it happened again recently. Um, this race involved nearly 50 million contestants. And this race, you could say, it began with a lot of passion, a lot of emotion. Um, and, and all 50 million contestants when they took off toward the starting line. And what was the reward for this race, for finishing this race? The reward was not a lot of money. It was not a gold medal. It was not fame and prestige. The reward for this race was an egg. 50 million contestants all giving everything they had. To get to the egg. Some of you are still not sure what I'm talking about yet, but it'll hit you in a moment. This was a hard race. It wasn't easy to finish. Some of the contestants dropped out right from the very beginning. Millions were taken out during the course of the race or lost hope because they couldn't keep going. But a few, with great fervor and perseverance, a few kept going and going. And I'm here to tell you today, my brothers and sisters, you won. You won this race, right? So a couple of things. A couple of things you cannot say about yourself. Number one, I never win anything. 
You can't say it. It's okay to laugh at Generations Church. We're all right with that. Just relax. It's all good. We're grown-ups in here. Something else you can't say about yourself is, I'm not that lucky. Number three, I'm not very fast. Simply not true. (laughs) I might add number four, I've never been a very good swimmer. (laughs) You can't say any of these things because you beat out 50 million contestants by being here today. Hallelujah. You won. We're proud of you. Some of you are still like, what are we talking about? (laughs) Is he? I think he is. Yeah. Yeah. There, there is this profound mystery uh, to, to creation and to the creation of a human being that is absolutely inexplicable, right? This profound mystery. It's, it's an amazing thing. Why does this matter? Why are we talking about this? Because the more that we know about human life, the more we know about the miracle of existence, not to mention the very miracle of how molecules form life, the more questions it produces in our heads. It's, it's amazing stuff, human existence. It's absolutely beyond us. So before you start dealing with this concept that we're going to be talking about of coveting and, you know, or, or versus being dissatisfied or feeling shortchanged in life, you're first going to have to come uh, begin, you're going to have to begin with the miracle of your own existence and come face to face with that and accept that. Before you heal and move on, you first have to deal, first and foremost, with the simple fact that I am alive, right? That you are alive. Hallelujah. There we go. That's the one. That you're alive. Amen? See, one of the first things God wants from us and what, he, and, and what he wants to see in the human heart is gratitude. He wants to see this, gratitude. Before we deal with any of the issues uh, that are around us, we have to settle this one question first. Am I grateful that I'm here? Am I grateful to be here? And until I arrive at, at a profound sense of gratefulness for the simple fact that I am alive, I'll never be able to deal with any of my other issues. All, all of life will stress me out continually, and it will always leave me wanting more until I can come to terms with gratefulness that I am here, that I exist, right? See, around here at Generations Church, we actually think you're a miracle. We think you are supernatural. We think you're a miracle. We think you're beautiful. Uh, you're, you're like this living, walking reminder of the creativity of the Lord, Everywhere you go, and all of his creativity, all of his love. And so we as Christians here, we think that your existence is supernatural. And until you wrap your your head around that, uh, you're never going to be free. And God wants to set us free, right? He wants to set us free. He wants to turn us from slaves into free people and, and show us how to live that way. He wants to help you throw away bitterness. He wants to help you throw away hurt and anger and greed and coveting. And some of us are, are walking around with scorecards, right, taking, taking count of what's going on with other people. And God is inviting us to tear up the scorecards today. And this is where it starts, gratefulness. Now, okay, a couple of observations about number 10 here. 
couple of observations. Notice in the earlier commandments, like in verse 13, uh, you shall not murder. We talked about something that, it's something that happens in your heart. And so we talked about the progression where that, that contempt in your heart leads to a physical act. And like, but, so, so like right now, if you killed the person sitting next to you, we would be able to observe that happening, right? We'd all look and go, hmm, I, I think he just killed that person. Interesting, right? There's this sense uh, that when the commandment is broken, when any of the commandments are broken to their fullest extent, you can observe somebody breaking the commandment. Do not murder, right? Same thing with stealing. You know, oh, there's something missing because you stole it. Idol worship, we can see you worshiping. Uh, lying, adultery, all of these. The first nine commandments can be externally observable. What's fascinating about the 10th commandment now coveting is you can't really tell if somebody is breaking the 10th commandment. It's completely internal, right? Right? Yeah. So coveting happens kind of undercover. It's, it's not, it, it, it's called, one uh, scholar called it the unenforceable command because, you know, I can't control or make you stop doing whatever's going on in your heart. It's, it's the unobservable command. You in your chair right now, you could be coveting. None of us would even know. You know, you could be coveting right now my snazzy striped shirt, right? And, and I would understand that because I love this shirt. Um, and, but we would never know, right, because it's all happening inside. None of us can know that you're coveting. And so sometimes what you'll hear people say is, you know, I'm a, I'm a pretty good person, really. And what they're saying is, externally, I haven't disobeyed a lot of laws, externally. But the truth is that God knows their heart. He knows all of our heart. And he knows internally we've broken all these laws, right? Internally. So all the commandments deal with our heart and how these sins of the heart manifest in external ways. But religious scholars have, have, have pointed out this 10th one is unusual in this way. It's not externally observable. Because coveting goes beyond just desire. That's, that's something we need to establish, too. It's, it's more than just desire. It's just more than just going, that's nice. I wouldn't mind having one of those. Uh, coveting is this idea that there's something in your heart that says, I crave that, and I crave, and, and I should have what he has because I deserve it, and he doesn't. Right? I should have what he has. I deserve it. Now, there's something else uh, terribly unique about this, this 10th commandment. When you covet, you're wanting something that belongs to someone else, as we said. And when you are a person that is given to coveting, what is really deadly about it is that all the other commands suddenly are like open season to you. Okay? This command, this coveting, is the root of so many other sins. It's a gateway drug, Right? Coveting is the gateway. If, when you covet uh, a person's things, what can you start to justify doing? Stealing. That's number eight, right? Uh, when you covet a person's spouse, where does that lead? Number seven, adultery, right? Uh, it, you could say that it, what is lying? Lying is, is coveting a reality that is not true. A reality does not belong to you, right? So, uh, uh, coveting the opinions of others that you haven't earned. And so we lie because we want these opinions of others. If I desire to take the life of someone that is not mine to take, what is that called? Murder. 
if I desire to manage God in a way as an idol so I can control him, what am I doing? I'm coveting the control that only belongs to God. See, I'm coveting something that's it's not mine. It's inappropriate for me to, to covet. And so you can make a strong case that the sin of coveting is like this downward spiral uh, that ultimately leads to, to breaking the other commandments. Number three, interesting thing about this commandment. Uh, with most of the Ten Commandments, the end result of keeping the commandment of keeping the commandment is either a greater love for God or a greater love for your fellow man, right? A manifestation of that. Uh, You could see it expressed. We can see that love expressed towards God, or we could see that love expressed towards your fellow man. There's always a blessing that we receive for keeping the commandment, but the blessing is also something uh, directed outwards. It's felt by other people. Um, So if I don't steal from you, that is a benefit to you, right? Because you get to keep your stuff. Um, If I don't kill you, you get to keep on living, it's a benefit to you. It's a blessing. You're welcome. Um, uh, uh, so uh, what's interesting is that if I obey the 10th commandment, not to covet what is yours, who is the one that is most blessed in that moment? Me. If I don't covet your stuff, the one who is blessed the most is me. I'm the one who benefits from keeping this. Now, here's where it gets really interesting. Some scholars since ancient times have actually suggested is this, that the 10th commandment is not just a command, but it's also a reward. That the 10th commandment is a reward for following the first nine, right? Maybe these first nine words that God spoke are ways of living in harmony with God. And maybe when you live in harmony with God, you won't want someone else's life. You won't want it. So sure, yes, it's a command, absolutely, but maybe at the soul of the command is actually a promise. God saying that when you live as I've created you to live, when you're following the first nine commandments, then you won't want someone else's life. In Philippians uh, chapter 4, he says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Amen. So in other words, when you obey God, when you won't want anybody else's life because yours will be just fine. Because you know he's taking care of you, right? But wait, let's take this even deeper. Fourth observation about this command. What we've learned over the last 10 weeks of this is, well, let's, let's make a list, okay? Let's make a list of what we've learned. No other gods. No other gods. God looks on these, these commandments like a love relationship. He looks on this as a love relationship, almost a marriage, right? It's not like a master-servant relationship. He looks on this almost like a marriage. He says, remember we said, no other lovers. You can't have other lovers if this is going to work. 
I got to be your one and only. And then, and then number two, he says, make no idols. He says, I'm too infinite. I'm too amazing. I'm too indescribable for you to, to, you to manage. So don't try to put me in a box, right? Don't try uh, making me uh, too small to handle your problems or too big to care about them. Either one is turning him into an idol. Number three, what did he say? Don't use my name in vain. He says, you carry my name. You're carrying my name out there, so carry it well. Be an accurate reflection to the world of what God is like. Fourth one, respect the Sabbath because you're not a machine, right? Your worth is not tied to the number of bricks you can produce. Your worth is found in me. That's what God tells us, amen? Number five, honor your parents. Honor your parents. He says, he says break free from those generational cycles, that you might have been, that might have bound you, right? And honor those who raised you. Honor those who gave you life. Number six, he says, don't murder. Value life. Love people as God loves them. And then remember, Jesus comes along and says, in fact, don't even hold contempt in your heart for them. And then he takes it one step further and he says, don't just tolerate people, love them, Right? Tolerance isn't enough. You got to love them. That's what people are like. Tolerance, tolerance, it's very new agey and all this kind of stuff. My problem with tolerance isn't that it goes too far, it's that it doesn't go far enough. Jesus says we got to love them. It's not enough to tolerate. We got to love. We got to love. Which number are we on? Number seven. Don't commit adultery. Don't commit. Remember, God is a HUD, He's one, right? the God of unity. And so in marriage, is supposed to be uh, this sacred quality of God that we get to put on display to the world. We, our marriage puts this oneness on display to the world. Number eight, don't steal. I can hardly see. There we are. Don't steal because everything belongs to God and everything we have is a gift from God. And, and so it, what's mine is actually his. Even the stuff that I earned is actually a gift, right? Everything is gift. That's what we talked about that day. And so what he entrusts to me is meant to give him glory, and it's meant to bless, be a blessing to other people. And the things that others have is a gift from God. So if I steal from others, what am I, who am I stealing from? I'm really stealing from God. That's bad, right? And number nine, don't lie. Don't lie because God is ultimate reality. He's ultimate reality. He's truth. He's light, We talked about the light, and to live a lie is to live in darkness, and it's to try to create an alternate reality that's not ours to create, right? And so for many people, you have a list. It's a a nice, neat list, and you 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 can put it on a plaque, you can put it in a courthouse until you get sued and have to take it down, but it's a nice, neat list everybody can look at. My question is this. If this is a list, if this is a list, what happens when you get to number 10 and you check that one off? What happens then? See, I would say that for a lot of people, spirituality is is a checklist. It's about lists. Do these 10 things, check them off, and you're good. Mission accomplished, you're done. But what happens when you get to the 10th, you've not coveted, then what? Let me put it a different way. How many of you 
have ever experienced getting exactly what you wanted. And one minute later, you experienced the big letdown. Anybody ever experienced that? You got exactly what you wanted, right? I mean, you, you scrimped, you planned, you budgeted, you saved, you sacrificed, you finally got the thing, you're so excited, you drove it home, you unwrapped it, you put it on, whatever it was. It's, it's amazing, there it is, you plugged it in, you put it on, and it's supposed to make your world complete and fix all your childhood traumas, and it's just gonna make everything awesome, and it didn't happen. It didn't happen. There's often this sense that we get the possession and it doesn't deliver what's promised, right? Why is that? Now, how many of you ever experienced this? You get the thing. You bring it home. You're sitting there looking at it. And you are overwhelmed with a profound sense of this is a gift. God, like, gave this to me. You ever experienced that? Now, now this item doesn't, doesn't lead to that feeling of wanting more and more and, you know, being frustrated. It doesn't have that letdown that you get two seconds after you opened it because you realize next year's model has twice the memory and it comes in red. <laughs> right? You're not experiencing that. How many of you have gotten something and it literally leads you to worship? It leads you to worship. You're going, thank you, God, for taking care of me. Thank you, God. I can't believe you let me have this. You take such a good care of us. And, and what do you do? You usually find yourself telling other people about it, not in any kind of like egotistical way, but you're worshiping God. You're honoring God, right? You're giving him the praise and all the glory. Coveting, it, it, it leads to like this vortex of need, of wanting more and more and more. And, and inevitably, when we covet something, even if we get it, there is the letdown. Inevitably, there's the letdown when we get it. But contentment moves us to a profound sense of gratitude for the, for the gifts of God. And you know, the real gifts of God, the ones that really matter, are things like joy and peace, right? Happiness, purpose, fulfillment, love. Those are the only gifts, in fact, that, that can, those are gifts that can only come from God. You can't get those from anything else, right? They can only, in fact, if it wasn't true, then God wouldn't be God. If we could get those ultimate benefits from anything other than God, he wouldn't be God. For him, for God to be God, he has to be the ultimate source of everything good that we possess. And if we're not coveting our, our neighbor's life. It's because God is our source. God's our source. And we're walking in the knowledge of that. And we're making God our, our one and only God, right? And he's our one and only true love. And we're having no other gods before him. What are we fulfilling in that moment? The first commandment. See, if we're fulfilling the 10th the commandment, it leads to the first commandment, right? So maybe the commandments aren't so much this vertical list. Maybe the commandments are more like a circle. And they start at the top, number one, with God. And once I've accepted that God reveals himself a bit more, you know, at two o'clock, you know, then I don't limit him with idols, right? And number three, how to use his name. And number four, the Sabbath. And five, six, seven, eight, and nine. And I get to there, and maybe the commands go in a circle. And that last command, do not covet then leads you back to the first command. 
So if I'm not to covet, I've got to find my place in God. I've got to know who God is. I've got to trust my life to God and trust that he is God and there is no other gods and that I'm his child and he loves me and I've made him my one and only. And I can't have other little gods getting in the way. Right? So maybe what God really invites us into is not a list of rules to check off, but this endless circle of covenant. An endless circle of covenant with God, and it's all interrelated. They all have to do with one another. They all depend on understanding and living out all the other ones. So this isn't about checking off a list of good behavior so that God will love you more. This is about relationship. This is about relationship. It's all connected. The covenant of relationship. And, and, and this is the picture of a life lived loving God and loving your fellow man. This is the picture of it. Not as two separate things that you can pick and choose from either, right? Um, in the kingdom of heaven, loving God means me loving you. If I want to love God, it means me loving you too, which, which in turn reveals my love for God. That's what scripture tells us, that he is known by our love for each other. So, so being a Christian and a disciple who makes disciples, which is what we want to be around here, I actually can't separate loving and obeying God from taking care of other people that he's put in my path. I can't separate those two things. I can't pick and choose between loving God and loving my neighbor and ministering to the poor and the hungry and, and sharing the gospel to those who don't know God. It's all interconnected. It's all part of the same beautiful covenant of relationship that God has with us. Amen? Amen. So, so what do we do? Try this when you go home. Maybe, uh, maybe you have a contract with somebody. Let's call them Visa. <laughs> and maybe they send you mail once a month a tender little love letter reminding you of what you owe them. Take out that love letter from Visa and, and try doing this. Take your bill and go down each of those purchases. Look at each of those purchases and ask yourself, was I walking in covenant when I made that purchase? Hmm. See, for me, I know coveting happens. It happens. It continues to happen. And I can go back and discover, mm -hmm, I was mentally somewhere else in that moment. I wasn't walking in covenant, I was walking in the covet, right? I wasn't walking in the covenant. Maybe for you it's a certain store. Uh, you walk in and your coveting animal just goes back crazy, right? Maybe, you know, anthropology for you or Apple Store or uh, Barnes & Noble, Academy, right? Or Home Depot. I wasn't looking at you, Dad. <laughs> Home Depot for, you know, you manly men. Uh, or the Volvo dealer or whatever it is. You know, you walk in there. Maybe for you it's a bar or a pub. And you go in there. And something smart turns off when you walk in there. And it doesn't turn on again until you're driving home. And what turns on inevitably is shame and confusion. 
what just happened, right? Maybe for you, it's a person. Maybe it's somebody at work or at school, or you see them at the gym, or maybe it's somebody here at church even, and you see that person, and instantly you want their life. You want what they have. There's this gut reaction of, I want what they have. I want their life. I want their wife. I want their car. I want their job. I want their sneakers, their snazzy striped shirt, whatever it is, right? <laughs> I know I think a lot more of, of, of this shirt than you do. Um, <laughs> I just assume. Everybody wants it. Um, you know what else? Another really poisonous aspect of coveting is it, it we, we start to despise the good things that happen to other people. Have you ever felt this in yourself and then felt immediate shame about it? Instead of rejoicing with them, it's pathetic. It's childish, right? Um, I, I've, I've, my, my youngest son, if anything good happens to my older son, he immediately feels like the world is unjust, you know, and it's not fair and it's horrible. How dare this good thing happen? Where did you get that pudding cup? You know, he just gets really upset. Uh, he, you know, we always try to teach him, no, be happy for Jules. It has nothing to do with you, you know. Um, anyway, don't tell him I'm talking about him. But I have to go into therapy. Um, Romans 12 tells us to, to rejoice with those who rejoice, right? And mourn with those who mourn. And unfortunately, in our culture, we live this verse in reverse. We, 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 we often find ourselves weeping when others win, and we rejoice when they weep, right? That's why I, I'm challenging us today, I'm challenging all of us to move from coveting to contentment. Move from coveting to contentment. Contentment moves us to this profound spiritual sense of gratitude for the gifts of God, whether those gifts are given to you or your neighbor. Contentment is just grateful. So whether God gave me the thing or you the thing, I can be like, yeah, rockin'. That's awesome. That's contentment, right? And, and the Holy Spirit can help us get there. So maybe it, maybe it starts with just being honest and saying, God, this place or this situation, this person, whatever it is, they bring up stuff in me that I don't like. So I want to be honest about it. And God, I want to repent. We have to be honest. We have to repent. God, help me. Show me my place in you. Show me, give me a glimpse of my identity in you, right? I don't want to be torn. I don't want to always be looking over the fence at, you know, my neighbor Bob's house and, well, that's a nice yard, you know. I don't want to be that way, right? I don't want to always be desiring the thing that you haven't given me. I want to be grateful for everything that I have, everything that you have given me, and everything that you have in store for me. And I want to be able to be patient for that, right? And I want to want nothing more. This is a prayer you can pray, and God will honor that prayer, right? He'll be like, oh boy, now, you, now you're praying the right prayer, right? That's a prayer God wants to answer, Right? Coming to that place is revolutionary. Jesus wants to set you free. He wants to set you free to enjoy the place you're at. 
That's you know, contentment. To be able to, to be at peace, to embrace the place you're at. Not that you don't have goals, that you want to, you know, that you can see, oh man, it's going to be great, someday I'll do that, whatever, that's fine. But you can own the place you're at and know that God has me in his hands, right? That he's guiding my steps. I'm ready to take the next right step. Until then, I'm satisfied with this step that he's led me to take right now right? And so he can, he can do that. He can help you enjoy the task that he has put in front of you and not covet the job that he's given someone else to do, right? Have you ever thought to yourself, if only I had their skill, if only I had their talent, believe me, this, <laughs> this attacks me all the time, if only I had their, their talent, because, you know, I see people out there who are just amazing, and they can preach amazing sermons, and they don't even need notes like I do, and I'm like, how do they do that? I don't know, because I need these, <laughs> right? But I have to, like, put that down, all right, you know, God's given me another gift. I'm not sure what it is, but he's given me another gift, you know? So I have to walk in that, you know? If only, but we think, if only I had their money, or their family, or their upbringing, they got a head start that I didn't get, Right? They got this extra, that's not even fair. I deserve that head start, that family that they were born into, you know, or something like that. Those kind of things. Um, God wants to say to us this morning, to those of us who've bought into that lie, he wants to say, it's not true. It's not true. I gave, this is God talking, I gave you a life. I gave you a life. I gave you talents, and I gave you a personality, all your own. And God wants us to go on a journey. He wants to take us on a journey that is all your own, right? It won't be anybody else's journey. And let me tell you, it's going to make a great story. But it's your story. It's all your own. And it won't read like anybody else's story, right? You know what they call a story that looks just like somebody else's story? Plagiarism fraud. And God is not a God of fraud. And he is endlessly creative. He hardly ever repeats himself, right? God says, I have given you and you and you and you and you a unique life. I've given you a unique life. Explore it. Experience it. Dive into it. So if that's you this morning, then we need to be honest. We need to repent. I'm talking to myself too. We need to repent. Are you wishing that you were her, or are you wishing you were him, or just wishing that you had their stuff, or wishing you had their life? What you're wanting really is to be someone else's unique story. You're wanting their unique story, and it's not yours, right? And actually, I gotta tell you the truth, it's sin. It's sin, and God has something better. He actually wants to bless you. He wants to make you this promise of a covet-free life, right? He, 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 he is infinitely creative, and he wants, most of all in the world, for you to be satisfied with him and what he has in store for you. Um, oh, and by the way, we need you. We need every single one of you, but we need you, and we need you to be you. That's very important to us. We don't need two of you. We just need you, because um, you, you bring something here that's beautiful and something only you can bring, right? So we want you to be you. We want you to do what God created you to do and not try to do what God created someone else to do. 
You just need to know that God, you, you, you need to know that God loves you. And what we say around here is that if you get to know God better, you'll trust him more. So tr- know God, get to know God better. You'll trust him more and he will reveal his purpose for your life. You'll discover his will for your life. Amen? Amen. And that is the Ten Commandments. Hallelujah. 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 So, these Ten, these ten Commandments, and, and uh, you know, this week in your home life groups, we'll, be, we'll talk some more about coveting, but there'll also be an opportunity to kind of talk about all the commandments, things that God really uh, dealt with you about over these three months. But this thread of, of God's message to humanity throughout these scriptures is that, just remember this, if you could just leave with this, that God's laws, his commandments, they are not a condition of his love. He loves you like crazy. The laws are not a condition of his love. They are confirmation of his love. If he gives you a law, it's because he loves you. They're confirmation. The first thing you got to do is be tired of being a slave. Are you tired enough of being a slave to want God to set you free and be willing to let God set you free? Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we love you so much. I thank you, Father, for your goodness, your mercy, Lord, that's new every single morning. Thank you, Father God, for giving us these beautiful words, these laws, Father God, that open our eyes to what love looks like. These laws of love, Father God, that show us what it looks like to love you and what it looks like to love each other, Father God, to walk out these, these laws, Father God. Show us. Uh, give, uh, fill us with the Holy Spirit, Lord God, and, and so that we can see all the different ways throughout our day that maybe we're tempted to disobey your commandments or tempted to fall into old habits without even realizing it, Lord God. Just put a little alarm in front of us, Father God, so we see it and we can make that choice. to to follow a better way, to go that third way, Father God, that you have provided for us. I thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your mercy. We praise you, Father God. I thank you for every person in the room today. We thank you again, Father, for the beautiful children that were dedicated this morning. I thank you, Lord God, that you have an incredible, uh, incredible destiny for each and every one of them, including each and every one of us, Father God. You want us to be champions for you. We praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.